Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at $1 million top prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the promo code THPN and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 years minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsibility gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text TN Redline 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Wanna go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself, and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. (laughs) And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 180. Yeah, we're doing a 180 here on the big show. Some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Monday... Well, it's Sunday, I guess, but you're probably listening to this on Monday, or perhaps Sunday. Hope you had a good weekend. Back at it. Back to the grind. Um, yeah, guys. All-Star Weekend is here. Yeah, we're going to have a real all-star show for you today. Nah, probably not. But uh, what are we going to talk about today, kids? Well, we'll talk about uh, some fighting in some all-star games. 
Um, I, I went down the rabbit hole on this player and, uh, I'll talk to you about that. And, uh, uh, I guess the myth versus reality, uh, with considering Bobby Orr and Larry Robinson. And, uh, and we're also going to have the five toughest Colorado Avalanche players. Another list. Why change things up here, folks? I hope everybody, if you're tuning in, well, thank you for tuning in, first of all. Um, I hope you listened to, uh, you went back and, and you listened to, to Wednesday's episode, uh, with Dante, um, uh, a fellow fight fan. It was a lot of fun to sit down and talk to him. We talked about a number of things. Um, yeah, in, uh, namely one of them was the, the code, so to speak. Um, it was actually about the book, the code. And then we talked about certain instruments, Orly and Brashear and Bertuzzi and Moore and that type of thing. And, um, yeah, I had a lot of fun talking to Dante and, uh, I know, uh, I, I, my brother was mad. I didn't do any clerks references. I didn't even actually think of it. Dante from New Jersey. And I didn't give him, you know, how's Randall or anything. You know, he wasn't even supposed to be here today, but, uh, no, but he, he was a lot of fun to talk to. And, uh, I hope you guys go back and check that out as well as, um, of course the back catalog, as we're, as I said, we're at a hundred, 180 episodes now. And, uh, yeah, two shows a week, um, Wednesdays and Sundays. So, I've had lots of great guests over the last little while, you know, over the, in the past, uh, McIntyre and Morasti and Tedarenko and Josh Mazur, Chris Graff, Staniforth. Happy birthday, Kent Staniforth, by the way. What a good dude. I tell you, Fountain Tire. If you need, if the, if the, hey, if the whip needs new shoes, I'm telling you, Fountain Tire, Lloyd Minster, the border city, hit him up, go in there, ask for Kent, tell him the fourth line voice sent you. And, uh, I don't know, he might send you out the back door. I don't know what he'll do. He might give you a deal though. Kent's that kind of guy. Definitely. And hey, and as you're waiting to get your tires put on, ah, he can tell you some WHL stories. Ask him what it was like to fight Toporowski a couple times. Yeah, Kent's a good dude. Well, if you want to hear about that, tune into the episode. But, uh, yeah, guys. But, uh, well, I should probably do the sponsors first, right? As I said, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast. You guys know this. I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows on the network. All the NHL teams are represented. Whatever NHL team you're a fan of, there's a podcast for you. Uh, yeah, check it out. Of course, those guys, obviously, they're bringing out weekly shows. There's always something, as the season goes on, there's always something to talk about. So check them out. Uh, for my off-network friends, uh, of course, we got Code and Sale in there, part-time only down in Florida, the Mud Show, Five for Fighting podcast. Alec does a great job. I hate to admit that, but he does. Um, actually, in all seriousness, this episode that he put out this week, uh, it was it, it was kind of you know we we dialed it down he dialed it down it was a serious one and uh but a serious topic and uh, I think he um he broke it down really good it was, of course it was the uh uh Pineda uh Subban uh incident in the East Coast League and um you know he talked about both sides um the findings um, or the what was being presented by both sides. And I, and I think the whole situation, uh, wasn't as cut and dry as everybody thought. Well, they made it so, but I don't think it should have been. Uh, but of course in today's climate, um, I think everyone was, um, may have been quick to run, run and judge. Um, and, uh, there's some evidence proving otherwise. And, uh, and unfortunately it's not being heard and he's already been what air quote canceled. And, uh, which I think is sort of unfair. And, uh, I'd really like to see, like, far from, removed from any of us talking about it or whatever. I really hope, uh, Panetta and Subban can sit down and at least discuss this. And, um, you know, and, uh, moving forward, I th- hopefully some things can get, um, 
straightened out. Now, obviously, we weren't on the ice. We didn't hear the language. If there was any, I don't think there was um, because that hasn't really come out. Um, And uh, he makes the Panetta uh, makes a pretty good case. And uh, I will let uh, now certainly not excusing anything racial, of course, but uh, yeah, I, it's, there seems to be, uh, he had, and he had, and he proved his, he's not just saying it, but he actually backed it up with examples. And uh, unfortunately no one seems to be really listening to that. And, uh, and, and Alec presents it in a fair and logical and uh, in a sensible way. And uh, it's a, it's a good episode. I, I recommend you to, uh, everybody to take a listen to it so for sure and uh and also alec has a tremendous back catalog yablonski Segroy, rob ray tremendous and uh oh we'll get this one oh big shot hockey news of all of all of all things the hockey news gets a hold of them uh to do they're doing a boat thing about fight, fighting in current hockey and uh they got his opinion on the matter and uh i said oh yeah you imagine citing that as your reference oh jesus Talk, I don't know. This guy doesn't want to be employed for much longer, I don't think. But uh, you know, I might actually read a hockey news article, knowing that Alec is uh, is part of it. So I'll definitely have to I'll have to check that out. But uh, there you go, Alec. Big things there at the Six Pack Coverage Network that he's on, and uh, he's rolling. And I'm looking always look forward to his episodes. So definitely check that out. The Five for Fighting, and he also runs a the Enforcer Appreciation Group on Facebook. It's got over 15,000 members. If you are on Facebook, uh, sign up. Lots of, lots of videos get shared and pictures and all that stuff. So, and, uh, and you know, it's as close to the message board as, as you're going to get these days. And, um, yeah, there's always topics getting bantied about. And, uh, you know, there's always some jokers in there that'll make you roll your eyes. And I will, I will be bringing that up shortly, but there's a lot of good folks in there too. So definitely, uh, give her a look. Uh, and then of course, Broadway, Joe Lozito. Give it to Lozito. The man on Broadway right now, he's trying to, he's running the box office down there at Madison Square Gardens at the epicenter, the, the center of it all, the center of the universe, the, the most famous arena in the world. And Joe is uh, the the cog, one of the main cogs in the wheel. It's probably him texting me right now, telling me, telling me to give him a good big intro. But uh, right now he's, uh, you know, he's, he's sitting there. Down in his in his basement, uh, in his Carol Alt shrine, sitting back watching his. Uh, well, he's probably not watching. Oh, he might be watching the All Star Game. That's right up Joe's alley, you know. And uh, you know, eat, eating his. Uh, you know, he's got uh, got his fish in the microwave there, and he's got his feet up. Yep, he's a New York Islander Enfor- enforcer podcast, Coliseum Chronicles. And uh, tremendous back catalog as well. Mick Fakoda, Dean Ewan, Asham Strudwig, on and on. His latest episode, of course, is a Clark Gillies tribute episode. And uh, he gets a number of people to speak about uh, their experiences uh, with Mr. Gillies. And uh, tremendous. Joe does a great job. Um, and in all seriousness, I, I've, I brought it up before on the episode, on the previous episode, uh, when I was talking about this. And unfortunately, uh, and I know it's... It, it, it's uh, you know, and it, it was shitty for Joe, but, uh, and I, you know, self, and I, like I said before, selfishly as a fan, um, that we never got the Clark Gillies, Joe Lazito interview. And, uh, 
and I said it before, and I'm and I'm not one to throw it around. And it's my hot take and my you know my whatever. But I said if if Joe Lozito had interviewed Clark Gillies, it would have been the best Clark Gillies interview ever done. And uh, and unfortunately, we didn't get it as fans. So um, I really hope going forward that Joe can sit down with Howitt and Nystrom. Those because those are kind of the two. Not to t- disrespect anybody that he's had on before, but those two guys are kind of the big legends. Um, cause those are kind of the big three and we lost one, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, so if he can get Howard and Nystrom, I know he's really trying. It's not for lack of effort on Joe's part. Uh, you know, but you just need people to get a hold of people and phone numbers and all that type of thing. Right. So I hope it, I hope it happens. Cause, um, you know, like I said, we missed out on one and, uh, hopefully we don't miss out on, uh, two and three. So I really hope that happens. But, uh, in the meantime, uh, definitely check out Joe's cat- back catalog and uh, check out the Clark Gillies tribute episode. It is tremendous. And uh, like I said, Joe does a great job and uh, he's been around a long time. And uh, yeah, definitely. And hey, if, and if you happen to be in downtown New York and you're walking by MSG, stop by the ticket window, ask to speak to Joe Lazito, demand it actually. And, uh, you know, if he's feeling charitable, he'll make some time for you. If not, maybe not. I don't know. Who knows? He's a guy, he's a big deal down there. So you don't know. He doesn't have time for the little people, but you never know. The Broadway Joe Lazito. Give it a Lazito. All right, folks. I'm going to say what I always say, and I'm going to, uh, you know, I won't talk for long today. I always do that, and then it ends up a long episode. But I have a few. Here we go. I have a few notes right here. And uh, I did some investigating, and uh, I'm going to share my findings with you. Um, of course, as I mentioned, uh, this week, of course, is the all-star weekend. Oh yes. The skills competition and everything else. And, uh, I no, I did not watch it. Um, I heard it was very cringy. I've heard it. I've heard that from three separate people about how cringy the all-star game was this year in Las Vegas. Um, I will say the, uh, I think the spit and chicklets cup is down at, or I don't think I know the Spit and Chicklets is having a ball hockey tournament down by the Stratosphere in Las Vegas, and Terry Ryan and his dad are down there, and Biz and all the Spit and Chicklets guys, and lots of teams are down there playing. It looks like a lot of fun, and uh, unfortunately, um, I am missing it um, by two weeks. I'll be in Las Vegas in two weeks, so I'm really looking forward to that trip. Um, been a while, obviously, as well as the world knows, right? Everybody's been on hold here, so. But we are, uh, yes, we are gonna go get, we, uh, we're gonna roll down there on school break here, and, uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. Uh, nice, be a fi- finally nice to, uh, to, to have a little trip and get away and, uh, basically get out of the snow for a little while. And, uh, you know, for, we're going for, uh, 10 days, and, yeah, looking forward to it, so. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do with the show. Um, I have an idea. Hopefully I can get a few guys recorded and, uh, I can schedule them ahead of time. So I will, uh, the magic, the magic of, uh, of, uh, scheduling, I can, uh, they'll pop up on your feed even though I'm gone. So, but we'll see. I might be talking brave. I might just, uh, I might just be on vacation. We'll see what happens, but, uh. Yeah, looking forward to hitting. I always, I always love me some Las Vegas, so I'm really looking forward to getting down there. But uh, Lee's Discount Liquor, folks. Yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, what was I talking about? Oh, the All Star Game. Well, you certainly won't see a fight in. 
somebody has there ever been in a fight in an all-star game yes there has been there was one fight and uh the all-star game the first organized all-star game was in 1947 uh, there had been a few like all-star type games before that for charity uh, of course the ace bailey game um the howie morenz game um there was a few charity games before that um but the first official NHL All-Star game was in 1947. And basically it was, uh, one team was a group of All-Stars and then they played the, 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 the previous year's Stanley Cup champions. So as, how was it initially started? Um, and actually in the very first game, in the very first All-Star game, Bill Mosienko broke his ankle and, um, which really, uh, obviously the Hawks owners were not happy, but it really became like, you know, the players started thinking, well, maybe we'll lighten up and, uh, cause this isn't, you know, this is for an all-star game or whatever. And of course, even after the first game, after they've lightened up, I mean, now, you know, obviously there's no hitting or anything. Now, now it's just a shinny game. But, uh, even back then, after that first injury, they were kind of like, well, maybe this isn't worth it. But in the second game in 1948, uh, Gordie Howe and Gus Mortensen got into a fight, actually. Um, and well, cause you gotta remember six teams back then and, uh, you play these guys all the time. So it was a group of all-star, but even then, uh, of course, Mortensen with the Leafs, the, the Leafs are the defending cup champs. So a group of all-stars played them, but I mean, you would have played them all the time anyway. And Gus Mortensen and Howe never liked each other to begin with. So yeah, they, uh, they, uh, dropped the gloves and had at her. And, uh, back then. When you, when the guys would go to the, it's not like now you go to the penalty, well, they got big glass, it's all separated, blah, blah, blah. Back then, they would actually sit in the same penalty box and there would be like a policeman in between them. But, uh, apparently they were fucking so hot at each other and the refs could tell and they didn't want, cause there was a lot of times there would be like fights in the penalty box after they were, cause imagine you're, you're fighting with a guy, you're still got, you're still mad at him, now you go sit and you're, he's sitting beside you. Like, who thought that one out? I don't know who thought that was a good plan. But, um, yeah, anyway, the, you know, that was just the way it was back then. So the ref realizing that, you know, this could escalate, um, actually, they went and served their penalties on their own team benches because they're like, yeah, no, we won't put them together. But uh, there you go. If you're ever wondering, as you're watching the All-Star game, has there ever been a fight? Yes, there has been. And, in fact, fun fact, Gordie Howe is the most penalized player in All-Star game History with, uh, I believe it is 25 minutes of penalty. No, 23 minutes of penalties in 25 games. And actually, Gus Mortensen apparently is second, I believe, with 21 minutes of penalties in nine games. So uh, there you go. Howe and Gus Mortensen uh, were the lone fight in All-Star Game history. Um, one thing I did find funny is I can't remember uh, on the skills contest last night um, who, who the kid was that won the fastest skater Um but I happened to look it up and I always laugh because of course on social, oh, back in the day, they were so slow. It's so much faster now and on and on. I actually looked it up. Uh, it, the fastest, 1993, Mike Gartner, 94, Fedorov, uh, 96, Gartner, uh, 97, Bondra, and 98, Scott Niedemeyer, uh, all won the fastest skater contest and all had a faster time than yesterday's kid so and that is in the cement boots from 30 years ago uh you know where the skates didn't weigh one ounce and uh yeah so calm down with they're all they were they're all faster now so there you go i just thought i'd throw that out 
Oh, and in the hardest shot contest, uh, I afraid he still has the hardest shot at 105 in 1993, and uh, and that was with a wooden stick. And of course, the American Hockey League, uh, Sean Hines, shot at 106 as the fastest recorded time, and again with a wooden stick. So there you go. Not all was better. So. I just thought I would. I thought I would share that with the folks out there. Some all-star game uh, trivia for you from back in the day. Um, as I was saying, it, it was. I, I mean, when I was going down the rabbit hole, um, I was watching an '80s fight DVD. I think I was just uploading stuff to my YouTube channel, and um, the famous fight with Shane Churla. Well, no, maybe not famous. To, I, I take that back. I guess it's famous in like the little fight nerd world, but I'm sure the majority of people are like, I've never seen that fight. Um, but anyway, it came up and it was, it's probably, it's probably the, I always, I always actually cite it as the fight that probably got me into collecting hockey fights because it was on the very first fight tape I ever got. Um, and I remember when people would come over and play them that fight and they were just like, my God. Uh, for you, for those of you listening that don't know what I'm talking about, go onto YouTube right now, type in Shane Sherla versus Kevin McGuire and, uh, Hartford versus Toronto. You'll see what I mean. Hockey Night in Canada. And, uh, it's about a, a 15 second scrap that's just toe to toe. And, um, it's one of my favorite fights of all time, but it got me thinking, and I'm a huge fan of Kevin McGuire as well. And I've always been a fan of Shane Sherla, but I've kind of, I don't know, as, as the years have gone on and, and like with the, you know, and on the fight groups and everything else, um, I don't want to say he's forgotten, but I, I really don't see his name come up that often. And, um, uh, Sherla, I mean, well, McGuire's as well, but this is a Shane Sherla exercise, but man, talk about one of the most exciting fighters of all time. And I, I mean, I always knew that. But it was like, everyone, I just, like I said, with the amount of fights I've watched, and I watch all these DVDs, and I'm always uploading shit, and it's just overload, right? Um, you just sort of forget sometimes how, how excited, how good guys were, and how exciting it was, uh, or how exciting they were. And, uh, the other night, I went onto YouTube, and I just went down the Shane Sherla rabbit hole, and man, was it ever entertaining. Um, uh, just excellent, um. And I encourage everybody, and all these fights are on YouTube, and I'll just throw a couple at you for, for you guys to check out. Just even if you have, if you haven't for a while, like it's like, don't sleep on them. Seriously, go check it out. That's the one thing I will say that before I get into that, that's kind of, it's just kind of eye rolling. It's just, I mean, I, I get it. It's just the new generation or whatever, but it's like a great fight like Churla and McGuire, which you will not see barely anymore. You know, I, I just laugh. It's got like maybe five or six hundred views on YouTube. And meanwhile, the newest friggin', you know, Eric Graberson fight or some fucking sissy, sissy slap fight from two nights ago in the NHL. Oh yeah, it's got like, you know, a hundred thousand views or something. It's like, oh God, like just, you know, God. It, the other, and it's funny when you, when kind of a younger, the younger generation sees like Churla McGuire for the first time, like their eyes pop out of their head. Like they don't, cause they've never seen fights like that. I mean, not that every fight in the 80s was like that, because they certainly weren't, but it was just like, I, I believe I, I, well, I did, I referenced this, I talked about this a couple episodes ago with the McDermott-Reeves thing, and it was just, oh, everybody's just losing their mind over the big heavyweight fight, and it was just like, you know, do they really even, like, I mean, yeah, they fight, I'm not taking it away from the guys, but it's just like, 
I don't, go watch Turlo McGuire and you tell me if that you, if that's not a if that McDermott and Reeves is better. Like you know what I mean? It's just like yeah. But anyway, with Shane Turlo, yeah, to go down that rabbit hole, like I said, uh, go on to YouTube. You believe me. I wouldn't lie to you guys. I tell you, if you're on, if you're on your phone and it's on lunch break or something and you're listening to this and you're just trying to kill time in the break room, go to YouTube, just put in Shane Churla versus like, well, first of all, get the, you got to Kevin McGuire. You got to check that one out. Uh, the, the one in the American Hockey League versus Val James. Excellent. Same thing. Toe to toe. Uh, Jay Miller, uh, Churla versus Wayne Van Dorp. Um, uh, he has two fights versus Darren Kimball, which are funny. They were in the same year, but Kimball had gotten traded. So the first one was in Quebec. And the second one, of course, a lot of people have seen because it was on the Don Cherry Rock'em Sock'em uh, when Kimball's in St. Louis and it's a playoff fight. Uh, excellent. Um, Troy Millette is another good one. Churla versus Bob Basson. Definitely check that one out. Uh, oh, his fight with Dennis Vial is, Vial is awesome too. There's another guy. Go down that rabbit, the Dennis Vial rabbit hole for sure. Um, but Charlotte versus Sandy McCarthy, another great one. Another good one that's on my channel that, um, cause Shane Charlotte, of course, played in the Western Hockey League with the Minnesota Tigers. How about that for a season? 70 games, 14 goals, 370 minutes and 45 tilts in his final year in the Medicine Hat when he was 19. Um, but he had three fights versus Cam Baumgartner. Well, he fought Baumgartner a bunch of times, but he, um, but he fought Baumgartner three times. They fought three times with one game, one playoff game to top it all off. Um, and a couple of those fights are on my, uh, YouTube channel, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. Check it out. Um, uh, yeah, we'll type in Churla. I got a bunch of Churla. Another, Todd Gill, that's another good one. Um, yeah, guys, it's just, uh, you know, but yeah, 488 career games, 2300 career penalty minutes, 188 fights. Um, one of the most exciting fighters. Um, it's interesting. He fought Probert a couple times and I don't know, I don't know if there was some, uh, bad or, it, it was bad blood on Probert's part. I don't know. Um, I know Churla was known to run around. He was a, he was a real good uh, body checker, real physical guy through a lot of hits. And I don't like, cause of course I don't have the game. I just have like the fight clip or whatever. But, um, so I don't know if he had been running around, uh, versus Detroit or not, or if he hit Probert and Probert was just kind of wound up about it. But it was interesting when they were fighting. Um, and, and maybe, like I said, maybe I'm seeing things or whatever, but, I encourage you guys to go back and look at it. Um, especially the first, because you go on YouTube, you'll see Pro Round 1, Pro Round 2. Check out the Round 1, well, check them both out, but Round 1, um, I mean, Pro wins the fight, but for some reason, it's like I've seen Pro fight a million times. It seems like he's really fighting angry in that fight. He's, he seems really pissed at Churla. And actually, kind of in the second fight, too. Um, again, maybe I'm reading into it, but he just fight, seems to fight different in those two fights. And uh, and I will say, after watching a bunch of Churla fights, Churla was not afraid to throw a shot when the linesman got in. If he had a free arm, he was going to hit you still. You know, hey, whatever. You know, fight's a fight. Um, not, I'm not condemning him for it. I'm just, you know. And uh, even uh, as the, in the first one, when the refs are kind of coming in, Churla kind of takes a really wild late swing at Probert and he misses and then Probert punches him in the back of the head. Um, you know, and you can tell Probert was kind of fired up about it. Uh, but even during the fight, it's just, um, this is neither here nor there, but it was just seemed like, yeah, Probert was a little fired up fighting Churla in that, in the, in those, in those tilts. So I don't know if he had just issues with him or what, but, um, yeah, guys, that, uh, yeah, I just thought I'd throw that out there. Like I said, I, 
I happened to go down the rabbit hole the one night there, and I'm just like, you know, and I always knew, like, I mean, I've seen all the fights before, but like I said, it when you just see so much stuff, it it all just sort of becomes one, and it just, you know, and then every once in a while when you go back and you revisit things, you're like, son of a bitch, that was really good, and uh, I really need to get a Churla Player DVD is what I need to do, um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it, it was great, so yeah, I, like I said, I highly recommend Anybody to go down the Trilla rabbit hole. But yeah, especially the fights I listed there. But uh, other than that, um, moving along. Um, what are we at here? About 25 minute mark. Um, one of the things that got brought up, and I know I, I've hit and miss. I've done like player spotlights of myth versus reality. And I, I my goal was to always do like a myth versus reality every Sunday episode. But I kind of got away from that. But um but I guess some of the stuff I didn't so so much label it as that, but I guess it could have been. But I guess I could label this as myth versus reality. But um, I'm often I'm not surprised isn't the right word. I'm 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 often amused, I guess, at the um, hyperbole. Is that what the word I'm looking for? Exaggeration? Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, um, or I guess just the. Like, I don't know if they believe it or not, or if it's just, you know, revisionist history or whatever, but the amount of delusional old timers on some of these fight groups is just amazing. And I mean, I guess it's the fanboy in them. Some people just can't get past their fandom and their forever. And I noticed that it all basically started, um, I was going through my fight pictures and I found a picture, a a promotional picture of Dave Schultz when he was with the Buffalo Sabres right at the end of his career. And it just, it just seems so weird seeing Schultz. It was weird seeing him in like with the Kings and Pittsburgh and, and Buffalo. It was just sort of a weird, um, it was even weird seeing Buffalo with a helmet on. But, um, anyway, I'm just like, oh, that's kind of an interesting, you know, little, little piece of enforcer history and, you know, Schultz with the Buffalo, right? Kind of weird. So I put it up, just whatever. Well, of course the comments come and, you know, and, and of course, a lot of the, the the older people, you know, probably in their late forties and fifties, um, of course, remember the Broad Street Bully days and whatever. And I think there's still obviously a lot of like resentment towards the Flyers from back then, and and whatever. But it was just interesting the the number the the amount of hate that Schultz gets. And I mean, I get it, whatever. But I'm I'm amused at these people that I mean. Philadelphia definitely ushered in sort of whatever you want to air quote goon fighting or like the brawling or whatever. They certainly weren't the first to do it, but they sort of perfected it maybe in the, in the gang fighting sort of like you watch a flyer fight. And if it's one of their guys is losing, they sort of jump in and it starts a brawl and whatever. I mean, they certainly weren't alone in doing that, but they sort of get accused, I guess, of being the first and, uh, or at least using it maybe to their advantage. And Schultz was certainly not above fighting non-fighters, which, of course, a bunch of these people were commenting on, oh, Rick Middleton and all this. And, oh, even Bobby Clark said Schultz, like, well, I was going to say, that's one thing about Bobby Clark. Bobby Clark's got a big fucking mouth. Bobby Clark says a lot of stupid shit. I'll tell you that. Tremendous player, Hall of Fame player, but the amount of bullshit that he said over the few years, last few years, it's kind of like, eh, okay. But I know him and Schultz had a little heat back in the day. When Dave Schultz first retired and he wrote his book, he kind of shit all over Clark. And 
whatever, kind of condemned fighting. And I mean, Schultz has of course made a 180 since then. And, you know, and they've all made up and whatever. And I said, they've since embraced the whole broad street bully vibe again. And, you know, Schultz is really into it and whatever. Um, and I'm sure him and Clark have all made up, but this guy kept, of course, quoting it. Oh, well, Clark used to say that Schultz used to fight a lot of non-fighters. Yeah. He fought a lot of fighters, too. Like, I, I mean, I, like, again, I don't know what your point is. So what? Like, that was the point. It was to bully people, hence the name. And it was obviously successful. And then, of course, yeah, but he was just a goon. What do you expect? Well, he had a 20-goal season. I don't, like, you keep using these words, goons and whatever. Yeah, okay. Of course, then you got you look at the guy saying it's profile. Oh, he's from Boston. Oh, shocking. Oh, I noticed he always ducked Winsick. Yeah, okay. Well, he fought Terry O'Reilly. Schultz fought Terry O'Reilly, what, eight times? So, you know. So, yeah, I don't think he was really ducking anybody. I think he was just sort of busy fighting Terry, you know. like, But just, like, constant just bullshit all the time. Like, they just... Like, anything just to shit on Schultz. And, like, yeah, was he an asshole? Yeah. And somebody goes, oh, I don't know, is he, was he, was he a good guy? Like, who cares? Like, it's about, like, again, it's, it's a fist fight. I don't, we, we always go back to this bullshit, oh, the code, or, like, was there honor? There was no honor in what he did. Like, just stupid shit. And, of course, then we have to, we get into, well, I loved it when Larry Robinson destroyed him. Oh. Like I said, you guys and your fucking revisionist history and this, just this love of exaggeration. I'm like, you do realize the video's on YouTube, right? Like, just go watch. I'm like, just go watch them. Oh, I've, I don't need to. I've seen it a million times. Yet, you still talk stupid, eh? Oh, okay. Like, I know you had a little hard on there when, like, did, now am I saying the fight was even or Schultz won? No. But literally, go watch the fight. Robinson hits him with like three punches to the side of it. Not even to the face, to the side of the head. Schultz either trips on a stick or something. And then Robinson pulls him down. And as he's down, Robinson gets up first and hits him a few times when Schultz is on his knees. And everybody piles in. Did Larry win? Yes. Was it this ass kicking that everybody took? I don't know what it, like, to me, an ass-kicking is like Dave Brown versus Jim Kite when he mounts him and pounds him. Like, that's an ass-kicking. Or whatever. Larry Robinson and Schultz is not, okay, if that's your ass-kicking. Like, you're really trying to cling to something if that's, if that's what we're gonna go with as the big fucking ass-kicking and just, oh, I love it. You're seeing right here that video is the destruction of the hammer. They won, they, they won the cup two years in a row after this fight, so I don't know what destruction you're talking about. But, okay, if that's what you want to cling to. But it's just amazing what some of these old fans just cling to. And just the myths. Or is it because your dad told you that because he was some big Montreal fan that nobody messed with Larry? Like, oh, yeah. Enough. Enough with this Larry Robinson with some huge fighter bullshit. It's not true. I looked it up. Larry Robinson had 24 career fights. So literally a fight a, a, fight a year. So let's... Oh, and then of course... Well, it's because no one wanted to fight him. Oh, you guys... I love what these old guys... They just love to throw out this... Everyone was scared. That's their big excuse for all these guys not fighting. 
Ofatio never fought. Beck never fought that much. Robinson never fought that much. Do you know why? Because everyone was scared of him. Oh, sure, that's why. Now, I'm not knocking any of these guys, but let's... Fuck, really? So, meanwhile, Pro, like, Probert almost had 300 fights, so, like, no one was scared of Probert, I guess. You know. Tony Twist almost had 200 fights. I guess no one was scared of him, but, oh, boy, they were scared of Barry. Like, really? Takes two to fight. I always laugh, though. They're the, it's the other ones that are always scared. It's never, it's never Fatio was scared. It was always someone else was scared. Okay. Yeah. No, every, yeah. All these guys that fight all the time. Yeah. They were just terrified of Larry Robinson. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Give it a rest. Just stop. And then, of course, well, you know who Schultz never messed with? Bobby Orr, who I would say, in my opinion, was the, in the 70s, was the toughest, best fighter the Bruins had. Ugh. What are we doing? Like, just... Well, of course, everybody types it. That's why he's the greatest. And, oh, my God. Like, and then it's just like this Bobby Orr little circle jerk of how tough he was. Again, like... Oh, growing up, Orr didn't take any shit. And he was just a brutal fighter. And he was vicious. And, oh, just... Again, you know there's video, right? Like, there's not a ton of Bobby Orr fight videos on YouTube. But there is some. Go watch them. All he does is... He wraps people around the waist and tackles them. And then once he gets them down, he punches them when they're on the ice. Like, and again... But I looked it up. Orr had uh, 47 fights with, like, for legitimate... Like, for a star player at Bobby Orr to fight 47 times. You know, okay. But it's just... And I'm not calling them... I'm, like, I'm not Larry Robinson either. I'm not calling them pussies or anything. Again, don't take it that I am. I'm not. But it's just stop. Oh, he's the best fighter the Bruins... Oh, yeah. Bobby Orr is a better fighter than Jonathan and O'Reilly and Winsick and Cashman. and Just, just, uh, just stop. Like, just... The truth is good enough. He was a star player that would stick up for himself. Now, just just leave it at that. But to make the... There's always that guy that's got to go the one more step and make some stupid statement that, oh, Bobby Orr was the best set Bruins fighter of the 70s. Like, just... Come on. But that that statement would embarrass Bobby Orr. Like, just stop. Like, the guy couldn't fight. He would do it, but he he wasn't any good at it. Go watch the fight. There's about nine or ten of his fights on YouTube. Go look him up. I'm not, again. This is a. It's not like I have something against Bobby Orr. I don't have anything against Bobby Orr. I'm. I believe me. I was the only. I was the voice of reason in this conversation. The proof is right there. Just go look him up. He would tackle the guy around the waist and haul him down. And the funny part was, all these same guys that were sit, shitting on Schultz. Oh, anytime he was losing, they'd all jump in, or the refs would jump in. The same guy turns around and says how the Orr is the best fighter in the 70s. Go watch the Orr fights. The moment he starts fighting, the refs are jumping in. Because, of course, it's the star player. We don't want Bobby Orr hurt, right? So they're all jumping in. Either that or the rest of the guys are jumping in as soon as they hit the ice. It's the same thing. But, again, we got to be hypocrites about it all. And that's what I always say when you listen, for those listening to this show. I, I have no favorites. I've always said you, you're, you're going to get an impartial talk here. I'm not a fanboy. I'm not, I don't have my favorite team or my favorite guys or if whoever does something stupid, I'll say they did something stupid. So I have nothing against Bobby Orr or Larry Robbins. I like those guys. I don't have anything against them, but 
hey, we're, 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 we're as they say, we're going to spit facts here and the truth. That's the truth. Neither of them could fight. Like, like well, there's nothing in their history that says they could fight. Other than people, some, these homers yelling, well, they never had to fight because people were scared of them. Oh, you didn't want to wake up Larry. Like, okay. Like, give it a rest. Like, could he have fought more? Yeah, but they had Nyland and stuff, so he didn't need to. I'm not saying Larry Robinson should have been fighting ten times a year. I'm not saying that. But the very fact that he fought maybe one, he averaged a fight a season. And most of the time were against, like, you know, Tracy Pratt, you know, like let's dial it down on he was some big killer. Like, no, he was a Hall of Fame, big defenseman, rugged guy that would play the body, was physical, and he but he wouldn't fight. And but no, like tough guys aren't scared of Larry Robinson. Believe me, in for they would have loved to like you don't think they'd want to get Larry Robinson off the ice for five minutes? Like seriously, do you think an enforcer in the eighties if Larry Robinson said, "Do you want to go?" They're like, "Oh, I better not. I don't want to get. I don't want to get punched out by Big Bird." Like, do you really think that happened? They'd be chomping at the bit to fight Robinson for the very fact to get him off the ice for five minutes. So yeah, I don't think Larry was offering challenges, and people weren't da- and people were backing down. Yeah, like just seriously, like stop. But there, anyway, that was my, my myth versus... I had, I had a good laugh the last couple days reading uh, people telling me all about how, how Larry and Bobby were just these tremendous fighters. I always laugh at these old guys, though. Yeah, all their favorite guys. If Yeah, they didn't have a... If that was the claim against... The knock against them was that there wasn't enough fight. Well, that's because no one wanted to fight them. Oh, okay. That, that's what it was. Yeah, all these enforcers, yeah, were, were just... They, they were just, you know... Change them up when, when they were out there. Yeah, they just wanted nothing to do with them. Okay. But yeah, the Bobby Orr was the best fighter the Bruins had in the 70s. That that cracked me up. Oh. And there and there's just like no changing this guy's mind. Like I just put like the links to his fights. I'm like, oh yeah, which fight was all these great fights? Oh, you had to have been there. I lived through it, Junior. Like, oh God. You lived through it. Yeah, yeah. You're so up your ass. I love it. Yeah. Oh, the delusion. Anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, yeah. But anyway, folks, like I said, uh, you guys like your list. I got a list for you. Another list sent to me. Uh, who did send this to me? Um, huh. I don't know who sent this to me. So forgive me. Um, I thought I wrote, wrote it down and I didn't. And, uh, so I don't, but I don't want to start going through all my stuff here, but, um, because I do get, I have a, a little file that I've saved the links that I had a bunch of people once I started doing the list and I had kind of mentioned many episodes ago that if, oh, if you have a list or something that are funny or whatever, or just for the, do these shows, send me a list. And I had a couple of guys, Mike and a few other guys send me like, I had like 12 or 15 links. And, uh, so I put them all in kind of one folder. And, uh, as I always say with these lists, I want to discover them with you guys. So I don't click on the links. Um, so when I open them up, uh, this is all, it's like I said, it's new to me as well. So we're, we're discovering these together. So, um, and, uh, I, I've noticed I had a bunch of people say they really enjoyed the lists. So 
as I would say. So I and I I like doing them. It's just kind of a little fun little thing. And uh, I don't think. And I always say that the kind of the I always kind of hope the lists are shitty because then we could take the piss out of them. And it's funnier that way. Like who was it? The other game or the other game? The other episode. Oh, damn, what team was it now? Oh, Anaheim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris Pronger was like the second toughest guy at Anaheim. Oh, that was great. Stuff like that just cracks me up. But, uh, yeah, I just... Well, and then it, it's funny, but the sad part about it all is like, like most of the time I'm getting these lists from like major media places or like fan blogs and stuff that have a fairly decent following. So that's the problem is the the fairly decent following reads this shit. And a lot of people take it like this guy really knows his stuff. And it's just like, Oh my God. And so this is where you get the Bobby Orr is the best Bruins fighter of the seventies guy. Like you get that guy. Like there's probably some guy that, or there's probably a bunch of people that delusionally believe that Chris Pronger is like some bad motherfucker that can really fight. Now he was dirty as shit and a great defenseman, but couldn't fight worth the shit. But there's people out there that, but the, the amazing thing with that, and it's the same, when it gets to the really old guys, it's not because there just isn't a lot of video, but current, more current guys, where there's like video available on everything, I'm still amazed that people will just like, oh no, he, he could, you know, he is tough. I don't know what you're talking about. It's like, the video's right there. Like, I don't know. Well, like the one guy, like I always say with like this, the whole, like, well, the famously, the, the Wendell Clark, Marty McSorley playoff fight. There, there's a guy the other day. Oh, Wendell tuned him. What do you mean he tuned him? There, there are Leaf fans that still cling to this. Like Wendell Clark destroyed Marty McSorley, and it's like, well, he cut him, and he landed like two good shots. But like Marty didn't wasn't phased and kept coming. Like the punch count would have been about thirty to four for Marty, but he was cut open. But it was a couple stitches. I mean, you know, whatever. Blood's blood. It's not the end of the world. I understand that visually. And, you know, Marty tries, covers the camera when he's going off the ice or whatever. Like, I get the theater of it. Like, I, I mean, I've already beat this to death, so I'm not going to go on. But it's just like, I get it. But there's people that will, like, watch that fight. Yeah, see, Marty, got, yeah, yeah, Wendell killed him. It's like, what are you talking about? Because I can guarantee if it had been reversed and Marty had landed those, sh- like, had landed Wendell's punches onto Wendell, you'd be yelling that Wendell won. You know what I mean? So, but it's like, okay. Like, I mean, I know in the grand scheme of things, we're just, like I said, we're just hockey fights fans talking here. I don't, I don't care. This doesn't mean anything. I get it. I, it doesn't, but we're just for the sake of the show, we're talking, right? I'm, but I'm just amazed at some of these people. Like, I don't know. I'm trying to try and rack in my head trying to think of other fight. Well, you can put up a fight video. Like I always said, you can put up a fight video and 10 people will comment. You'll get 10 different answers. That's like, are you, what do you mean? Like, but this is where like the, it's amazing where I see, this is where the fandom just clouds people's judgments. That, and I should do an episode and I've noticed this as well. People are really um, swayed by what the, and a lot of people are swayed by what the announcers say too. You know, and it's like, no, just like watch it on mute. Take your, like, I, I, and some people just can't, they just cannot take their fan glasses off. They just know the Bruin has to win or the flyer never loses a fight. It doesn't matter. Even if it's close, it's an excuse. Oh, he got jumped or it was a sucker punch or probably even. But if it was reverse, oh no, he got killed and whatever. Like they just can't get their fan. They can't put their fandom away. 
again, this is where I go back to, I can, I can watch a fight and be completely neutral, but it's like, I, 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 some of these people watch this shit and I have no idea. Like I have to go back and like, did I put up the right fight? Like, am I seeing a different, did I put the wrong link up? Cause this is not the fight I thought it was that listening to the, or reading your description of it, but they just, you can't get out of their own way. They can't, they can't turn off the fan. And it's just, it's like, it's actually kind of embarrassing, but it's an interesting, it'd be an interesting psychological experiment too. Like just like you're, are you're that home, like you're that wrapped up involved in the team or whatever that you can like, it's like when you go to the Bob Probert fan group and they just can't like Probert never lost a fight. He was the best ever. And there's no talking to them and you can't reason with them. And if Probert lost a fight, there's some excuse and, it's just on and on and on. And it's just like, oh my God, like, just why? Like, and these are grown adults, but they have like the, men- when it comes to this shit, they have like the mentality of 10 year olds in the playground. It's amazing. It's actually, it's amazing. Sad and amazing at the same time. But um, anyway, let's get on with this. Here we go. The Colorado Avalanche, the top five all-time Colorado Avalanche enforcers. But, oh, God, by Adrian Dater. This guy's a goof. This guy covers the avalanche in Colorado. He's the local reporter. Oh, this guy's a clown. When was this done? August 16, 2021. Okay, so it was in the summer. So this is current. Um, Yeah, this guy's such a jack-off. But let's see what he's got here. Uh, The avalanche will have a genuine enforcer this season coming in, hulking defenseman and possible forward Curtis McDermott. The Avs required him last month in a deal with Seattle, and Joe Sackick said in effect that his team didn't stick up for each other enough last year, to which I wholeheartedly agree. All right, well, Adrian and I are on the same page. Well, I don't know if they stuck up for each other, but I like the idea of the toughness. Okay. We can debate the question of do NHL teams still need a tough guy all we want, but take a look around the league right now and see what many teams have done over the summer. Teams are adding more tough guys to their rosters. Uh, all right. Well, I guess he and I differ on our idea of what the tough guys are, but sure. Uh, I don't, who are all these? Mm. Anyway, I was just, who are all these tough guys that are supposedly on NHL rosters now? But all right. This is a good opportunity to toss out my list of the top five enforcers of the Avalanche team history. I don't have uh, analytics to why they're on my list. It's just my list. All right. Number five, Warren Reichel. Bundy didn't always... Bundy? All right. Bundy didn't always win in his 19 official fights with the Avs and two stints with the club, but he was certainly a willing combatant at all times and was totally fearless. His nose was the size of a small yacht by the time his playing career was done. Oh, yeah. Taking numerous shots over the years, but he always keeps punching back. He's a middleweight fighter, but he sometimes took on heavyweights such as Ojik and Brad May. He always stood up for his teammate. was a great... Ter- great it was a great trash talker too. As I said, he didn't always win his fights, but he'd always answer the bell. Um, yeah, Reichel was one of those guys. Played in the minors for a long time and came out of nowhere with, with LA. Picked, I think his first year with, well, I shouldn't say I think, I know. Um, cause in fact, way back when, when I was telling you guys about the goon draft that we used to do in high school, um, I took Warren Reichel the first year he was with LA. That was another reason why I won. Cause I, he had 300 minutes that year. Him and McSorley were tearing it up. And, uh, yeah, Reichel, um, he was, uh, he played in the IHL for a number of years and, uh, he made the Kings. Yeah. And he ran around and fought everybody. I'll give him, hey, took full advantage of his, of his situation. And yeah, actually, I completely forgot that he had played for the Avalanche, but, uh, yeah, like I said, middle, middleweight guy wasn't, you know, wasn't the greatest fighter in the world, but I mean, not a bad player. He'd run around and, all right. 
I, it'd be interesting. He didn't really clarify what his uh, criteria was um, for what he came up with, how he came up with the with the list. But all right, number four, Jeff Odgers. Oh, there you go. Odgy was similar to Reichel is that he never turned down a challenge, and while he didn't always win, he went down swinging at least. He had a seventy-two official fights and three seasons at the ABS. He was a middleweight who fought the heavyweights, as the fight with Bob Probert shows below. Teammates loved him, always addressed any liberty taken against one of his top players. Yeah, I've always said, Odgers is one of those guys that said, if you're a fight fan, you have to love Jeff Odgers. Like, you know, like I said, win, lose, or draw, he was going to go in there swinging. There wasn't going to be no wrestling. Um, you know, maybe this one I am a little biased on because he's been on my show twice. But he's a very nice guy, great guy, great family. Had his son Dakota on the show as well. Uh, I, if you haven't, I, I highly encourage you guys to go back and check those those interviews out. He was his son Dakota played in the Western Hockey League and then went on and played uh, Canadian University Hockey. But war number thirty six fought just like the old man. It's like spitting image, same size, right hand, no lefts. Number thirty six. It's hilarious. Look it up, Dakota Rogers. But. Uh, Oh, and, and their interviews are great. Like I said, very nice family. Um, yeah, they've, they've been very good friends of the show. But um, what, do you, what is there to say about Jeff Rogers? Uh, you know, anybody that knocks Jeff Rogers should have their head examined. Because, uh, yeah, that is, he, he was what it was about, right? Like, uh, going to battle for the logo. And, uh, yeah, Rogers is the man. I'm down with Jeff Rogers. I was actually surprised he fought that much in Colorado. I didn't, I didn't think he did. Number three, Cody McLeod, the Highlander. So we got Bundy, Audrey, and the Highlander. The Highlander. Okay. Old Adrian's just got nicknames for everybody. He's just one of the boys, right? The Highlander. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, here we go. He fought 129 times for the Avs, the all-time team record. As tough as they come. Didn't always win either, but never let you show that he was hurt. He knew what his job was, but he tried to play the game the right way. Yeah, people in Minnesota possibly disagree. He was suspended once for a dirty hit on Tiny Jared Spurgeon. Okay, I don't remember the hit, but whatever. Uh, the Highlander actually had very few truly dirty hits. Here's a typical Highlander fight. And then, of course, as I'm saying this, there's like YouTube clips underneath it. But um, Yeah, I mean, I was a fan of Cody McLeod back in his Western Hockey League days when he played for Portland. Um, uh, I didn't realize he had... Well, I did, actually, that's not true. Um, tough guy numbers did that, uh, most fights by the decade. And I believe at that time when I brought, he had the most fights from 2000, 2010 and, uh, or no, 2010 to 2020 McLeod had the most fights. And I was surprised by that. I didn't realize he had fought that much. Um, now again, as I opened up the link, this, I'm, it's new to me as well. So it's not like I'm, I, I hit pause and went and, did a whole bunch of research on Cody McLeod. I mean, I know who he is, obviously. I Like I said, I've watched him play. I have a bunch of his junior fights on my YouTube channel. Um, yeah, uh, so I'm not going to go on and on about his NHL feed but or his fights, but um, uh, I like I don't know how many he won or how many he lost, but uh, like I said, I've seen some of his fights. I've never, um, I've never gone down the Cody McLeod rabbit hole, we'll put it that way, but... Uh, Hey, if the dude's on your team and he fights 129 times for your team, yeah, you should probably make your top five enforcer list. So I'm certainly not going to argue with Cody McLeod being on here. Number two. Oh, okay. Chris Simon. Um, so that kind of, I, what I would have is one and two. All right. I would I hope someone else is number one here. Uh, number two, Chris Simon. If you took this look, 
if this list took into account some of his years in Quebec, he might be number one. But the fact is, Chief only played one season here. What a year it was, though. His first one, a championship season, in which Simon not only scored 16 goals, but had 250 minutes and was the most feared, one of the most feared fighters in the league. Yeah, Simon was a bad dude, man. Oh, here we go. More, pardon me, as, as I scroll. The Avalanche goofed when they let him go to Washington in the next offseason. Brent Severn. I was going to say Severn could have been on this list, too. Gamely tried to fill in his skates, but his heart was just never really into it. Simon genuinely liked to take out his aggression on opponents. Throw a quiet, peaceful man off the ice. Simon was truly scary as a fighter. He's probably most famous fight as an Av was against Bob Probert in the 96 playoffs, a fight that really helped turn the game and the series in the favor of the Avs. Yeah, he took it to Probert in that, in that playoff series. Yeah, Simon, man, long hair. I would say look like the Undertaker. He's a, like, now you talk about a scary individual, man. Like, we need the long hair and, like, what is he, what, 6'5", like, massive dude. And just imagine that guy glaring at you. And big lefty and shit. Like, Simon was badass. It's a real shame with the injuries. I know he had a lot of shoulder problems. And a lot of times he was, like, in Washington, he was, like, playing in, like, kind of a harness. So it really took away from his fighting. Um, so he didn't do it that much. But that was one of his real bread and butter coming up with Quebec and, yeah, uh, young Simon, if you can watch, go watch some of his Quebec stuff. Oof. Yeah, and, uh, the year with the Avalanche, yeah, the big fight with Probert. Uh, he kind of, he had a really good fight with, uh, Domi when they kind of come out of the pile there. Um, yeah, I was a big Chris Simon fan. Like I said, that big guy, lot, good talent. Like I said, had, uh, 20 goal season. I think he almost had 31 year. Um, I didn't realize he only played one year in Colorado. For some reason, I thought he played more than that, but, well, there you go. Old Adrian says he played one, so, um, yeah, I mean, what is there to say about Chris Simon? That's just, he's a bad dude, man. So number one, I would assume, yes, there you go. Number one is Scott Parker. Uh, the sheriff was genuinely frightening dude when he dropped the gloves. He fought 51 times for, mm, 51 times for the Avs. He had to have fought more than 51 times. Hold on, I'm going to pause this. I got to check this out. Yeah, okay. After looking it up, I went to the old Drop Your Gloves site. No, he had 72 fights as, the, as a member of the Avalanche. And then he had uh, 30 or uh, 28 to give him uh, a total of 100 career fights and 300 NHL games. I knew he had 100 fights exactly in 306 games or something. Um, so, yeah, he had more than 51 fights, obviously. I don't know where he got that number from. Um but he often couldn't find any takers when he dropped the gloves even more. He had a very hard right hand, which he toughened up in the offseason by wrapping chains around it and punching trees. That's true. Um, he won the cup in the 0-1, made legitimate contributions to the team. Uh, there you go. Number one, Scott Parker. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, when you think of that list, I mean, again, I don't know what, what the, the qualifications would be. Um, you know, is Parker a better fighter than Simon? Eh. You know, now, was he better than the Colorado version? Again, I guess if Simon only played one year in Colorado and you're going by games played, blah, blah, blah. You know, whatever. You're, like I said, it's a fun list to do. If someone wanted to put Simon as one and Parker as two, all right, I'm not going to argue with you. Um, that's probably how I would have done the list. I don't know if I, like, I like I said, off the top of my head, Avalanche Fighters. I don't know. Uh, like Severn, I guess they listed. uh I'm trying to think who who else was on the Avalanche that they missed. I'm just trying to think. Oh, Belak, but I mean, he, uh, you know, that he. I think he only played one. Yeah, there you go. He only played one year there. He did some fighting though, but um, you know, I, I don't think I would put again one year, 35 games. Uh, Jim Cummins, there's another guy. Um, uh, Chris Digman, as I'm sort of just scrolling their their hockey DB at their all time roster. Um, hmm. I never knew Jerome McGinley played 225 games with the Avalanche. Huh. 
That's interesting. I thought I seriously thought he played like one year there. Huh. All right. That's kind of wild. Uh, well, Ian Laperriere. There's a guy that I would have. I would have had him instead of um, Reichel on the list. Yeah, I would have had. Aud- now that I'm doing it, I would have had Audgers. Nah, was you know was Laperriere a better fighter than not? Nah, probably not. Yeah, but I would have replaced uh, Reichel with Laperriere. See, this is why we uh, we go down the Brad May. There's a yeah, but he played. He just played the one year. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, this is really exciting as I'm scrolling the list. And people are like, yeah, just get on with it. Uh, yeah, but like I said, I was I threw Severn out earlier, but he only played the one season as well. Um, yeah, I well, there we go. I guess I guess that would be um, that would be the one name. After looking through it, I guess that's what I would do. I would replace Reichel with Laperriere. That would be my only. Other than that, the list is. So, I gotta. I gotta agree with Adrian. The list is. Those are the five guys that I would go with. Um, like I said, with any of these lists, I guess they're they're interchangeable. But um, you know, uh, yeah, that wasn't bad. I mean, I can't. Uh, I can't poo poo it too much. Well, I can't at all, really. I mean, if the biggest. Uh, uh, gripe is that it's Reichel instead of Perrier. Eh, you know, we're doing pretty good. So, uh, well, there we go, folks. There's your list of your top five Colorado Avalanche all-time enforcers. So, um, yeah, that sort of wraps it up uh, for today. If you happen to be on social media, uh, follow me on Facebook, Fourth Line Voice on Facebook, as well as on Twitter. And also check out my YouTube channel, over 2,600 fights. All the leagues are, are on there. So uh, just type in the little search engine, whatever league you're looking for, boom, it'll come up. Um, if you ever have any questions and you're not on social media, or even if you are and you want to either send me a private message or you just want to, uh, you know, I, I love hearing from you guys, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. Uh, you know, hockey fights at Hotmail. That's right, I still have a Hotmail account. Hockey fights, all one word, at Hotmail.com. Say, send me a, drop me a line, say whatever, and, uh, and, and yeah, I'd love to hear from you. But uh, other than that, guys, um, yeah, that's another Sunday show. And, uh, hey, whatever platform you're listening to the show, if you could rate and review it, I'd really appreciate it. Um, it helps me out in the searches. Um, and I always say, I always laugh, download my episode. That's how Darren gets paid. I need to get paid. Uh, but no, it helped. That's how I actually do get paid by the download. So it helps me out if you do that. So I would greatly appreciate it. I know I ask a lot of you guys. So or I don't ask too much of you if you could do that for me. I'll keep bringing you content. If you could keep doing that, I'd appreciate it. But, uh, Other than that, guys, thank you very much for tuning in. I hope everybody has a great Sunday. And, uh, yeah, I've uh, talked to a few guys. I've got some shows lined up. Like I said, I want to get a few uh, recorded and done. That way I can schedule them when I'm in Vegas so uh, the show can just sort of run along on the same timeline as it usually does. Um, Hopefully I can do that. I hope Jay in Iowa, I hope you're feeling better. I was supposed to record with him last night, but he he is under the weather. So uh, hopefully we'll get him this week. And uh, as well as Dave, we're going to talk some senior hockey in Saskatchewan. For those uh, wondering what that's all about, uh, we've had some uh, some pretty good old pro uh, ex-professional guys uh, come back and play uh, senior hockey. There's a number of senior leagues in Saskatchewan, not as many as there used to be. But that's the one thing, especially for American listeners, if you don't realize, um, you know, Saskatchewan, like Canada is obviously, it's the second largest land mass in the world, right? So... Um, and Saskatchewan, well, all the provinces, but I'm using Saskatchewan as an example. Um, it's just, you go down the highway, it's just littered with small towns. Well, back in the day, all these small towns had a senior team and they would play the other towns and it was like a big deal. 
but you know now as the years have gone on and of course technology everyone's got other things to do these days and senior hockey isn't maybe as big as it used to be but back in the day it was huge like town versus town it was a lot of pride right and a lot of these towns would bring in some ringers now and again pay them a couple bucks and you know whatever and um and um in senior hockey, the Allen Cup is like the Stanley Cup of senior hockey. And certain leagues will be like you try to qualify to go to the Allen Cup. And, you know, there's some old ex-NHL guys that play on these teams and it's a big deal. And, uh, but the senior hockey for the most part, uh, there's a number of different leagues. I'm going to look into it to see how many leagues are actually still going. But I know back in the day you had the Triangle League, White Mud League, Wild Goose League, um, uh, was it Big Sask League, I think. Uh, there was a ton of, there had to be 10 senior leagues around Saskatchewan through all the small towns. And, uh, and the boys would get fired, like, hey, we're talking, you know, blue collar dudes that are out, and it's not like, we're not talking wreck. Like, it's full on contact, there's fighting, like, again, as the years have gone on, not like there used to be, but still, there's still some tilts, I can tell you. And, uh, and my, my boy Dave has seen some. And, uh, we're gonna talk about a few. And even when I had, a McAllister on. I know McAllister and Conrad McKay had a little tilt a couple years ago, last year or two years ago, in the playoffs of a senior, uh, in the senior playoffs. And, uh, so every once in a while, the boys will still get fired up. But like I said, guys will take the, it's, it's, they're out and it's, we're gonna, like I said, it's not just, uh, senior league or rec league. It's, uh, no, these guys are playing for the team and they probably still get a, f- a few bucks paid to them, you know, maybe pay for your trans or whatever. And, yeah, and it's, uh, I mean, you're not getting, you know, it's not like guys are getting rich playing senior hockey, but a little extra on the side, you know, win a couple games and, uh, some hustlers. But, um, yeah, I know Morasti got into a couple, has been in a couple senior fights and there every once in a while there'll be a video should pop up and, uh, yeah, some good old, uh, good old senior tilts, but, uh, which used to be a lot more prominent, of course, bat wall fighting was much more prominent in every league back in the day. But, um, I guess the point of my rambling here is I'm going to get Dave on and I know because he's kind of a, I'm far from a senior hockey aficionado, but he, uh, was been around the small town. So, uh, he's seen a lot of senior hockey and we'll, we'll discuss that and he'll, he could probably shed some more light on it, but it's going to be really cool. You guys trust me, like some old school names and I'm going to really lay some, uh, we'll lay some senior hockey on you. And, uh, but I think you guys will dig it. We'll talk about other stuff too, but, um, yeah, I always enjoyed getting like the fellow fight fans on. Like I said, when I had, uh, Dante on, that was a lot of fun. And, uh, I've had Chris and William on and, uh, Jay out in Iowa and Alec, of course. And, um, I, to me, it's just a real solid conversation. Just really enjoy it. Like I said, everyone has a story. And I think, uh, I think people listening can relate. Like I always say with the show, and Dante brought it up and it was really cool to hear him say it because that was the vibe I was going for is, um, yeah, it's just, it's just dudes sitting in the basement drinking beers and the hockey games on talking. Or when they got a fight DVD going, or whatever. If you're having a barbecue and the boys are sitting on the deck, and now, oh, he's better. Nah, fuck, he's better, you know. And oh, you remember that fight? Oh yeah, you know. That's the vibe that I'm going for with this show. So to hear someone say that, I've, I've heard it a bunch of times, but to hear him say it on the air, like it was not prompted by me, but for him to say that was was cool because that's what I'm trying to. That's my goal here. So um, it was it was cool to get it uh, sort of confirmed. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I'm going for with this show. But, um, but I've also talked to some players and, uh, got some guys lined up, couple of ones on holidays. And when he gets back here at the end of the weekend, uh, hopefully we can get something lined up. Um, I have a couple other guys I've talked to that hopefully I record next week. And, uh, yeah, really looking forward to bringing them to you. And, uh, yeah, 
like I said, guys, every Wednesday and Sunday, um, if you're new here, again, thank you very much for tuning in. I appreciate it. I know there's a million podcasts out there, and uh, and there's only so much time to listen. So the fact that you chose this one, I really appreciate it. So, and I hopefully you will uh, you'll stick you stick with the show. And uh, like I said, if you're new, please check out the back catalog. I think you'll enjoy it. And uh, yeah, guys, I'll shut up and let's get out of here. I got to go shovel. So <laughs> I hope everybody had a good weekend. And uh, hey, I'll talk to you on Wednesday. Thanks, everybody. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?